Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. It was a fellow by the name of Dr. F.W. Borham. He tells of a visit to a town there in the south of France. Here's what he writes. Listen to this. He said, a number of women passed him, evidently going to their homes from their factory or their place of occupation. He says, and as they passed, he noticed that their garments were fragrant. The reason, he ascertained, was that they were engaged in preparing scent from flowers and it had distilled in their clothes. In other words, he sit there and as he was watching these women pass by, he noticed a strange smell. He said, man, that smells like flowers. That's They must be at a job that whatever they do, the scent has distilled on their clothes. Now, here's where he came and he said, and he thought to himself, Those enjoying Christ's presence and engaged in presenting him to others cannot but transmit his fragrance. You see, it was actually the Apostle Paul who captured what this doctor was thinking under the power of the Holy Spirit in 2 Corinthians, guys, chapter 2, 14 and 15, Paul writes to the Corinthian church, he says this, but I thank God He made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now, he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Verse 15, our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. Now, Think about what Paul just said, right? Paul says, our lives are a Christ-like fragrance, rising up to God. And then he goes on to say, but this fragrance is perceived differently. Now, here's my question to you all. You ready? How do you smell? You're like, excuse me? How do I, how do I smell? Yeah, now, now here's what I'm talking about, okay? I didn't mean that, did you put on deodorant this morning, which I hope you all did. I'm not saying that you splattered yourself with all kinds of perfume and then, you know, and, and your perfume gets there 10 minutes before you do. We, we know that, okay? And I'm not asking you to turn to your neighbor and give him a big sniff, although some of you might. Hey, hey, there you go, see? My question really is, think about it. Do you smell, pastor, no, 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 listen, do you smell like Jesus? You smell like Jesus. You see, Paul, again, writing to the Corinthians, says, our lives are a Christ-like fragrance. Our Christ, we smell like Jesus. He says, and the world is perceiving you. Wait a minute, you, you smell? You smell. I smell. What do you mean? You see, every time we say you smell, we, all, we often take that as a negative. Well, I don't, what, wait a minute, what? No, 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 but do you smell like Jesus? Paul says, your life should be a Christ-like fragrance. Guys, rising up to God. He says, this fragrance perceived differently by those who are being saved and those that are, are perishing. You see, today, just in these short 11 verses, we're going to learn about two people. 
we're going to learn about two different people who have two different smells about them. One actually smells like Jesus. You go, well, what does Jesus smell like? Well, if you're taking note, you can jot this down. Jesus smells like love. If you want to know what love smells like, look at Jesus. So today we will see one, right, one that smells like Jesus, and then we'll learn about another one who, not so much, not so much. And just like Paul pointed out, we, we are like a sweet-smelling incense offered to Christ, which spreads among those who are being saved and those who are being lost. You see, it was just a couple of days ago, we found out that my mother-in-law, right, she had hurt her shoulder. We thought maybe it was a tone rotator cuff. And so we said, we need to go help. So we jumped on the car on Thursday. Thank God it was just, um, it wasn't a torn. It was, it was just severe tendonitis. Nonetheless, she, she couldn't move her arm and she was in severe pain. Now, one of the things that I noticed when I walked in the house is it smelled like apple cider vinegar. And we use apple cider vinegar for everything. But one of the things I told her, I was trying to make my my mother-in-law laugh. And I said, listen, I'm teaching on smells this week. And I'm going to tell the church that you smell like apple cider vinegar, right? And she said, you better not. She's going to be listening to this. So y'all need to laugh. And anyway, long story short, what we wear is how we smell. She was hurting. She was putting on a, a wet Apple cider vinegar, guess what happened? The, the, the room began to smell like, absolutely, absolutely. It was a distinct smell. It was one where you go, oh, I know what that is. Oh, and oftentimes either you're drinking it or you must be hurting or something's not right. Because you know how vinegar smells. Now, before we go on with learning about these two people, let me remind you where we left off last week. Think about this for a moment, guys. The Jews, okay, have opposed Jesus for some time now. As a matter of fact, as early as John chapter 5, they're after him, okay? John tells us that the Jewish leaders are intent on killing Jesus. Now, we just got to, that just blows our mind all over the place. And you go, why? Why would you want to kill somebody who's just doing good? Why would you want to kill somebody who's raised, who's who's feeding people, who's loving people, who's healing people? I mean, that's the guy I want to keep around. You know, listen, I don't want to go to doctors anymore. Where's Jesus? I know Jesus can heal. Come on, right? You see, for us, the last couple of days were, okay, let's make sure we manage the pain. Okay, be careful. Don't move your arm. Okay, we'll take care of the household stuff, but we want to make sure you're okay. You need to eat something because the medicine could upset your stomach. And, and if Jesus was here, look, hold on, let's just get her in the car and let's get her to Jesus. Boom, healed. All right. Let's go eat because she's healed. But these guys want to kill him. They want to kill him. And guys, we know this. And an effort is, is made to arrest him. We see in John chapter 7, right? And attempts to stone him. Can be in John chapter 8. Twice in John chapter 10. After he, what? He's healing the, the man born blind in John chapter 9. And as he's teaching about the good shepherd, then Jesus leaves where? He leaves to Judea because they want to kill him. He's like, I got to get out of here for just a moment. Not that he's afraid. Remember that. But that his hour has not yet come. Okay, it was not time for the sacrificial death in Jerusalem. Well, while he's in Judea, guess what happens? He hears that his BFF, Lazarus, is dead. Jesus, my friend Lazarus, the one whom you love, he's dead. What? 
Well, we'll stay here a couple more days. Whoa, whoa, did you not hear me? Jesus, do you not hear me? Your friend Lazarus is, come on, come on, maybe, maybe you can do something real quick. Lord, Lord, no, we'll stay here two more days. I know he's dead, right? They urge Jesus to stay put because going back to Bethany, which is close to Jerusalem, the Jewish leaders, guys, they want him dead. And when Jesus finally arrives in Bethany, Lazarus has been dead. How many days, church? Four days. Four days. You go, why was that important? That's so significant. We've got to grasp that. There's a couple of things just about Lazarus. Number one, when it comes to salvation, we need to understand that it's a beautiful picture of salvation. But here's what I want you to see. Lazarus did not do anything to help his resurrection. He didn't wiggle a toe. He didn't, he wasn't going, okay, if I could just show Jesus I'm a little bit alive, he'll help me. He was dead. Everybody say dead. He was dead. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. That's the same thing for us, guys. When it comes to our salvation, there is nothing we can do. It doesn't matter how good looking you think you are. It doesn't matter when you look in the mirror and you say, hey, enough about me. Let's talk about you. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter. Salvation comes from Jesus alone. But that brings me great joy. Why? Because there's nothing I can do to ever earn that. The second thing is four days. Why did he wait four days? Because he wanted to make sure that people didn't think this was some sort of trick, some sort of magician's trick, that he just blew it and resuscitated him. Jesus resurrected Lazarus, but not in the same way he was going to be resurrected. You guys tracking with me? You go, wait a minute. He raised him from the dead. But we know that Lazarus will eventually die again. Jesus' resurrection was a whole different thing. Why? Because he was never going to die again. He was, he was raised and he's alive forevermore. Two different ways. Eight, four days. Four days. Okay? And this makes, you know, the miracle of, of, of raising Lazarus even more. Right? Well, guess what happens? A good sized group of Jews, they come from Bethany to Jerusalem to mourn the death of Lazarus, and while while his surviving sisters, Mary and Martha, these folks are at the grave. Lazarus, when, when Jesus summons him, he comes out of the grave. It's the most amazing thing. But guess what? It doesn't take very long for the word of this miracle to spread throughout Jerusalem, right? That's how it would be. Guys, put your thinking caps on. It's almost like they had a Facebook, Instagram, social media, internet, whatever it might be. The moment it happened, people were tweeting. As a matter of fact, if it was this day and age, people would have their cell phones out waiting for Jesus to do something, right? They're not so much interested in the miracle as they are interested in videoing the miracle. Oh, did you see that? And, and, and it would have spread like wildfire. That's what happened, okay? Now, it wasn't social media so much as it was just being social. Hey, guess what? Did you hear? I was at the grave of Lazarus. No, you're kidding me. Yeah. And that person would tell that person, that person. So you could imagine. You could imagine what's going on here, okay? It was just, oh, my goodness. It was crazy. Now, here's what you need to understand. It was close to Passover, meaning the city was starting to swell, Okay, the biggest thing that I could just wrap my mind around is like, it's kind of like how fourth on Broadway is all of a sudden, right about nine, eight thirty, people from all over the city will descend upon fourth on Broadway, almost up to, they say up to 80,000 people. Could you imagine? And all of a sudden they hear this, oh, 
Where are you going? Where are you going to fourth? We're on fourth on Broadway. Okay, Jesus is going to be there. This is the Passover. People were coming in all over Jerusalem, all over Israel. So there was a lot of people. And of course, that brought what? Excitement, anticipation, and it fueled greatly by, by, of course, the Lord raising of Lazarus, right? Now, note with me, guys. Look at verse 55 of chapter 11. It says, And the Passover of the Jews was near, and many went from the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then they sought Jesus and spoke among themselves as they stood in the temple. What do you think, they said? That he will not come to the feast? Now, both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a command that if anyone knew where he was, he should report it that they might seize him, right? In other words, they're asking, will Jesus make an appearance here? We know the story. We heard that they're trying to kill him. We heard that last time he was here, they were going to stone him and he got away. If anybody knows where he's at. Will Jesus dare show his face to the religious leaders, to the Jewish leaders? We know, of course, that he most certainly will appear in Jerusalem as we look at John chapter 12, right? Why? If you're taking note, guys, and you're not afraid to write in your Bible, right around chapter 12, you can say this is the beginning of the end. This is the beginning of the end. Starting in chapter 12, this is the last and final week of the Lord's life. So he's going to come back, and he's, we'll see the crucifixion and the resurrection. Now, if you're taking note, here's how I want to break down verses 1 through 11, okay? I want to break them down into two points. Number one, I want you to see this. I want you to write down this, the sweet smell of love. The sweet smell of love is actually found in verses 2 and 3. Then, the second point we're going to see is Judas, right, one of the disciples, he actually causes a stink. The sweet smell of love, Judas causes a stink. You guys see that? So we pick up our story, guys, in verse 1 of chapter 12. Notice what it says. Then, it says, six days before the Passover... Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus, who, who, who had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. Now, here we have the beginning of our final week in the life of our Savior, okay? Let's just say you and I have been his disciples for three years. We've been walking with him, and now we're back headed to Jerusalem. We're coming to Bethany. Do you guys remember how far Bethany is from Right? How far is Bethany from Israel? Two miles. I mean, from Jerusalem, two miles. Okay? And so we come, and, and you and I, we don't really understand, we don't really get what's about to happen, but we do have a clue. You go, what do you mean we have a clue? Because we heard from one of our fellow disciples named Thomas that we're going back to Jerusalem. Right? We're going back. As a matter of fact, when Lazarus had died, he says, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go. And Thomas said this in verse 16. And Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Right? So we have a clue. We have a clue. We're going, okay, if we're going to follow Jesus, right? There's a chance that we would have, maybe, well, we're, we're going, they want to kill him, they might want to kill us. Now, here's what I want you to jot down. Here's what I want you to memorize. Here's what I want you to grasp, guys. I want you to feel the weight of this, okay? 
let this conduct be rooted in our hearts. You go, what's that? It's one thing to die for Jesus. But I think it's far harder for us to live for him every single day. It's one thing to stand up and go, Jesus, I'll die for you. I'll die for you. And that's hard as it is. You want to know what's harder? It's to stand up in the midst of an evil and wicked world and say, Jesus, I'll live for you. I'll live for you. Let that conduct, that behavior be rooted deep in our hearts. Why? Well, listen. For, for the Christian, guys, we're supposed to be a living sacrifice for Jesus. Paul writes that in Romans. You know this. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Paul says, I beseech you guys, therefore, brethren, how? By the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's... It is not if we're willing to die for Christ that matters so much in our nation today, but whether or not we're willing to live sacrificially for him. Listen to this poem I found. It says, what message does your life say to the world about Christ? And it says, consider the gospel according to you. Listen to this poem. The most beautiful story given to men was written long ago. By Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of Christ and his mission below. And you write a gospel, a chapter of day, by your deeds, whether faithless or true. When others read it, what will they think in the gospel according to you? It's a wonderful story, the gospel of love. It shines with Christ's life divine. Oh, that its truth might be told again. In the story of your life and mine, you are writing each day a letter to all. Take care of that writing. Take care that the writing is true. It's the only gospel some people may read, the gospel according to you. That's the point. The point is our lives, right? We should be willing to live because it is the gospel of love so that everybody sees. Now, I know what the world says, and I know I even know what Christianity says. They go, I, I'm not perfect. I don't want to love I me. Mean, I don't want people to be looking at my life. But guys, that your life has been changed by the power of Jesus and not of your own will, that that if they look at your life, they'll they'll know they'll know you have faults. They'll know that you're you're human. They'll know that you have mess ups. But the gospel of who Jesus is in the midst of trials and sufferings and even even, guys, the, just just how you are in the victories will, will speak volumes to people who will never read the Bible. And they'll wonder how and why. Why would you? How? How? What? And there you can share the gospel according to you. So we know it's six days. Point number one, let's talk about the sweet smell of love. The sweet smell of love. Jesus is in Bethany, verse 2, Then they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one who sat at the table with Jesus. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Now, 
Let's chat for just a moment, church. Let's talk about this, right? Let's dig a little bit deep. What's the first thing we see here? Well, something I think we need to know, and you can underline it. Look at verse 2. It says, there they made him a supper, and Martha served. You guys see that? And Martha served. Okay? Now, to, to most people, that's no big deal. Why? Because Martha is a servant. Martha is a servant. That's what she did. But if you recall, at the earlier dinner... Martha served, but she served with a bad attitude. She served with a heart that was not pure before God. Here's what I love. Martha has grown in the grace of Jesus Christ. Martha has grown in her walk with God. Okay? Because the last time Martha served, she was throwing pots and pens in the air. Flour was coming out. She'd stand out, put her hands in her hips, and look at Mary sitting on the floor. And Jesus at the... Ah, why don't you tell her to help me? She's just frustrated. And listen, there's nothing wrong about serving, but now we see that she's grown in her gifting. It just says Martha served. And I bet you there's a big difference. Why? She believes. She saw her brother. Her brother's alive. <laughs> Martha, how are you doing? <laughs> doing great, man. Doing great. Okay? Why? But that's her gift. And some of your gifting is serving, and that's okay. Your gifting is serving, and you don't need somebody to come to you and go, hey, good job, pat you on the back. You're just serving God, and, and that's what you do. And you're, as you grow, see, when we start to serve, here's what we do. We want somebody to look at us and go, hey, good job, thank you for serving. You want, you want that pat on the back, but as you grow in Christ, you realize, I don't need people to see me, and I don't need people, I know who God is. I knew who God is. Here's what it's been said about being a servant, right? Everybody wants to be a servant until you're treated like one. And then, well, don't they see? I, I do. Well, I want somebody to recognize me. And, and it's like, no, God is. Martha served. Do you guys see that? How awesome is that? And then the second thing we see, she, we see her serving without complaining. And, and she found her peace in her calling. She found her peace in Jesus. Who's the second person we see? We see Lazarus was there. Lazarus, right? He's alive. He's at the table, right? And I don't know about you, but if you didn't see the whole Lazarus come forth and you went to the dinner, I think I'd be like poking him, right? It's like, hey, hey, Lazarus, what? Leave, quit touching me, you know, kind of thing, right? But he's alive. He's alive. And here's what I want you to note on Lazarus. Look at him, guys. What does it say? It says, and Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table. It doesn't give us any more description. It doesn't need to say, Lazarus, man, he was a chatterbox. He kept talking. He kept talking. And, and, you know, it doesn't. Why? Because a lot of times, guys, ooh, this is good. A lot of times when we've been with Jesus, all we have to do is sit there. And people will see. Why? Because Lazarus smells. But he doesn't smell like death anymore, does he? He smells like Jesus. And I love that, guys. Sometimes we think, okay, guys, let's gather together. We're going to go, we're going to go witnessing. And I think you should witness. I think you should tell people about Jesus. I think you should use words, right? But I think a lot of times a witness is not something we do. It's something we are on a daily basis. On a day, that's who we are. We go, right? We would love to go witness. We're going to go witness. We're going to share the love of Christ. But you know what? Sharing the love of Christ means how you live in your home, how you treat your neighbors. Are you good to your coworkers? Are you kind? Are you gentle? 
you know, do you understand what the Bible says about the poor? Are you willing to, you know, are you willing to lend a hand? Are you willing to take a couple of bucks? Are you willing to go, hey, listen, you want something to eat? I'll go buy you something to eat. Are you willing to do that? That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Lazarus, he's just sitting there. He's not the center of the conversation. Why not, church? Because the, all of John chapter 11 was about Jesus, wasn't it? So that people would believe. People would believe. He's simply living there. And for many, that was enough to believe in Jesus. Who's the third person we meet? We, we, we see Mary. Where is she? Notice what it says. Then Mary took, took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, so she had to be on the feet of Jesus, and she wiped right his feet with her hair. Now remember, they weren't sitting like you and I. They're mostly reclining on one elbow as they ate. So it was very easy. Here comes Mary. What she's doing? She breaks open this sweet-smelling, wonderful perfume, and she anoints the feet of Jesus. She takes her hair, and she's just wiping her, his feet, his feet. Do you know what that is, church? That's pure worship. It's worship. You see... In the American church in times, we think worship is, let's come, let's raise our hands, listen, hey, we're going to have worship, let's worship, and everybody does this, and they kind of sway a little bit, and maybe maybe this is worship to you, so sometimes it's like this, sometimes, whatever, that's, that's wor- we, we call that worship as we're singing, but look what she's doing, guys, look what she's doing in worship, guys, look what she's doing. She comes to the feet of Jesus in worship. There was a lady by the name of Ruth Zwall, and here's what she writes. She writes, the scent of precious ointment. Oh, how it lingered. Long after all the guests had gone away, and Mary's hands, how sweet, where she had touched it. The alabaster box she brought that day, it filled the empty room with love's anointing. Reached to the neighbors on the busy street. It ministered to the many deeds of kindness. To a friend, a stranger, whom she chanced to meet. In every task she found the fragrance with her. The pitcher that she carried before the scent. The coins exchanged for food within the market. She took the blessing everywhere she went. The box, unbroken, could have kept its treasure. And pleased the fancy of a dinner guest. But Mary broke the box, and in the breaking, her Lord and all the world beside were blessed. Listen, this is the smell of love. Guys, I'm not talking about the perfume, but I'm talking about worship. If you want to smell like Jesus, you must worship him. You guys remember when, when the Jews were looking and they saw the disciples and they go, look at them. They look different. They must, they, they look like they have been with God. I mean, they, 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 this is how it wants to be. But how do you know? How do you know? You want to, you really want to start to smell? Worship the Lord. You have to be at the feet of Jesus. You go, well, Ben, I'm not really a Mary. I'm more of a Martha. Would you, would you dare to say Martha smelled like Jesus? Absolutely. Why? Because in her gifting, 
and what God has called her to do. Like some of us, man, we're just servants. We don't want to be behind the pulpit. We don't want to say, we don't want any, we're just, we, we, we'll just be behind the scenes. Da, 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 da. You know, all of that. Guys, think about this. Think about children's ministry. Think about those that are back there ministering to your children. Man, listen, it's, it's their calling. It's their life. It's their, it's, it's who they are. And, and it's so beautiful because they smell like Jesus. Guys, this is the smell of love. And not talking about perfume, I'm talking about worship. Note with me, Mary makes her way to where Jesus is eating. She brings this flask of very expensive perfume, and it's containing about 12 ounces of very, very expensive liquid. A, a denarius represents a daily wage of a laborer. It represents approximately a year's salary. For illustrative purposes, guys, in today's value, let's just say that the substance she had was worth about $20,000, right? That's a lot of money. But see, that's worship. That's worship. See, great Christians have appeared in all ages that they have one thing in common, that they live their lives, guys, with reckless abandon when it comes to expressing their love for Jesus. They sacrifice to such a degree that they are sometimes criticized for it like Mary was. Right? Now, let me just say this. You guys know our core values, right? What are our core values? Guys, as a church, our first core value is we want to love God. That has to be first and foremost. The Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord is God. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's who we are. Second is that we want to love people. We want to love people. Why? Because the Imago Dei says that you were created in God's image. You are created in God's image, and we want to love people. And we know that people mess up because we mess up, and they make bad choices because we make bad choices, and that we're not called to judge people, but we're called to love people back to life. We're called to come alongside them. That's, a, that's our value, guys. That's who we are. That's what we want to do. That's how we want to impact Lubbock and, and everywhere else, okay? But the third thing, the third core value is living radically, and that's exactly what it means. That's living radically. It's living in a place, guys, where, 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 where it is sacrificial. It's living in a place where we're stepping out of the boat, where we're trying new things. Think about, think about our fourth on Broadway, our food booth, right? We've been, the enemy doesn't want us out there. The enemy doesn't want us out ministering. You know what? The world thinks, why are you just serving food? But we're out there and we want to be a light in a dark world. Oh, you go, Ben, there's other churches. Well, sure there are, but we're, we're partnering with everyone else to go, listen, what can we do? How can we live radically? Well, Ben, what if it has fiasco written all over it? We're still getting out of the boat. We're still wanting to see. I mean, think about this, guys. This is for us living radically. Guys, reckless worship. Reckless worship. I like that. I, was, I meant to tell Josh last week. I said, Josh, I want you to write a song called Reckless Worship. What does that mean? Getting out of the boat. Think about this, guys. Think about this. We're on the verge and we've been battling and it's, and it's, guys, this should be a battle of prayer. But look at this little, little tiny church has an opportunity to own its own radio station. Man, that has fiasco. I don't know how we're going to, we're going to get out of the boat. We're going to see what God will do. Why? It's reckless worship. What are you doing? I have no clue. How are you going to do it? I don't know. Well, what's God going to do? He'll show up. You go, what if it falls down? We got out of the boat. It's reckless worship. It's living radically. Don't you want your life to live? Don't you? Listen, listen. I, I, 
man, if I'm going to go down in history in any way, shape, or form, is that he lived radically for the Lord. I don't want to be so, so, I just do my thing. I just do my thing every day, same thing. I don't want to do the same thing every day. I want to see God do incredible things. I want to be blown away. I want to be just, I mean, I want to see that it's the gospel lived out, however he wants us. You go, what if that's 10 City? Let's go live radically in 10 City. What do you mean? Listen, there might be somebody that you can connect with that just needs a friend. And he can see the love of Christ in you. Probably when Jesus walked in his ministry, there were many people who were homeless. And they just needed a friend and they needed a touch from him. I'm going to live radically, guys. Guys, reckless worship. Reckless worship. Extravagant love. How about loving out loud? How about loving out loud? Yesterday, uh, my mother was my mother-in-law was feeling well enough that that we went to grab some lunch, and finally she got to the place where she could go out for just a minute. And we went and got some lunch, and we were eating lunch before Nathalie and I were heading back. And as we were walking out, guys, there was a there was a homeless man walking and. And he was, he was just asking for food. He was asking, you know, and, and, and sometimes we allow our circumstances to dictate what we do and what we don't do. And a lot of times we'll turn our back. A lot of times we don't know. Sometimes we're afraid. But if we're going to love out loud, that means we need to step out and go, no, let me see if I can help you. Let me engage in this person. Because I don't think anything happens by, by happenstance. I don't think it's just like, well, we were walking out and this guy was walking by and I think God's like, look, 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 look. And now I want you to represent me. Well, pastor, what was I supposed to do? Go and, and witness to him? Sometimes you just don't have to say a thing, do you? Hey, how you doing? You need some food? Let, let's, let's take it. What's going on with you, man? How you, how you, how you doing? How are you? How are you? Loving out loud. Loving out loud. Well, Guys, think about it, right? Think about it. That was the sweet smell of love, Jesus. How does that happen? It means when we spend time with him, when we're in worship, and when we're doing what God calls us to do. But the second point we're going to see is how Judas causes a stink. Okay? Is he smell, does he smell like Jesus? I don't know. Let's look. Look at verse 4. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said... Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii, 20 grand, and given to the poor? Okay? Now, what you need to know is that other, other gospels say that the disciples were going like this. That's right. That's right. Okay? Because God gave us a mission. Jesus is here, and he gave us a mission. We need to help and feed the poor. That's wonderful. But now she does an extravagant worship. She does something that everybody's blown away. The whole house smells like this spikenard. The whole house smells like love. The whole house is smelling like Jesus. But it says this. He says, you know, Judah speaks up and says, Why was not this oil sold? Why didn't you sell that and give the money to the poor? But look what John writes. He says, but he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And he had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. Right? See, it doesn't take long for, it doesn't take Judas long to appraise the value of this substance. Okay? It, it doesn't take us long the same way, does it? You see, Mary wasn't going there trying to attract attention, right? 
Of course, she couldn't help as the fragrance was, oh, whew, what was, that smells good. What happened? Did you, what, you just broke all of that on his feet. And there she is, and she's worshiping him. And Jesus is allowing it because he is the only one who deserves our worship. But think about what Jesus does. Oh, Jesus, Judas smells, but he doesn't smell like Jesus, does he? He doesn't smell like he stinks. I've got to stop here and step on your toes for just a moment. Do I have permission to step on your toes for just a moment? Thank you. If you were to look back at life situations where, again, you would put yourself as a Judas or a Mary, or somebody has done something that you don't understand, I would often ask, what's your reaction? What's your reaction? A lot of times when we don't understand the big picture and the worship of God, we react the same way as Judas does, don't we? Well, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. That Listen, and, and we start to try to, and, and it's, wait a minute, wait a minute. Listen, listen. We need, to, we need to try to see situations. Help me, church. We need to try to see situations from the perspective of God, not our own. And if we can look at things from the perspective of God, we go, wow, praise the Lord. Hey, Paul, I don't understand everything. Man, that was, I don't understand all that happened. But wasn't that a great gesture? Wasn't that a great heart? Yeah, it was. Amen. Amen. And again, I just see Judas, Judas is not, you know, Judas is not smelling like Jesus. He's not smelling like love. He's just... He's just causing a stink. Why? Because he's a thief. John, John points that out. John's like, listen, I don't know who made him treasure, but he's taking money. He's taking his hand in the bar and he's putting money. Listen, you know what? I saw Judas's wife. I don't know if he has one. I'm making this up. Judas's wife, I saw her driving a brand new chariot the other day. Man. Well, I don't know where, where did she get the money if he's a disciple like us, right? Well, anybody who was giving to the ministry, he was... Pulling it out. Judas was a thief. And that's why he did this. He wasn't caring for the poor. He's dipping his hand. His action, guys, on the behalf of Judas, portrays a man who doesn't seem to believe in the Messiah or his mission. Wait, wait, wait. Say that again. Judas is taking money out of the help me uh, he's taking money out of the offering out of the out of their ministry why 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 is he taking money here because it seems to me like he doesn't believe in the messiah nor the mission and you'd go well ben how does this happen right how can you say this you guys ready because we live what we believe if if Judas didn't believe that's why it was easy for him to pop a 20 in his pocket, a 40. I don't believe, I don't think he's the Messiah. I don't think, listen, we're, I don't know how long this gravy train's going to last, so I'm going to take care of me. But here's the point I want to make. Listen to me. You live what you believe. What you really believe in your heart, that's how you believe. That's how you live. That's how you live. It shows us. Okay, guys, now let's close with this. Let's close with the last few verses, okay? Verse 7. But Jesus said, right, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. 
For the poor you will have with you always. But me, he says, you do not always have, right? I love the paraphrase our Lord's response in this way. Listen to this paraphrase. She goes, he goes, that's enough. Stop it. Leave her alone. She's done nothing wrong and everything right. She's kept this precious ointment for this very hour to prepare my body for burial. You will have no end of opportunities to minister to the poor in the future. But this is her one and only chance to minister to me in this way since the time of my death is at hand. Right? Isn't that he's guys, guys, listen, listen. It's not that I don't care about the poor. He says, they're always going to have the poor. You'll always have an opportunity. She goes, but this, she understands, is for my burial. For my burial. What would be the reaction? The reaction, I think, should be worship. The reaction should be praise. The reaction should be, are you kidding me? That's amazing. But notice the reactions. Look at verse 9. Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but they might see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death also, because on the account of him of the Jews who went away and believed, believed in Jesus. Now this makes me sad. Look, look at the sad. Guys, think about it, right? Lazarus' life was a living testimony to Jesus, and yet many wanted to just see the miracle man. That's all they wanted to see. Are you, are you the dude that was dead? Well, what was it like? Tell us about it. Oh, listen, we got KNN, you know, TV news. Listen, we're talking to Lazarus, the man of the hour. What was it like? Being? They just wanted to see the miracle. They didn't want to believe in Jesus. They didn't want to believe in Jesus. So, Pastor, what's your point? Guys, well, here it is. You ready? I think today, guys, we should leave here smelling. Right? But the beautiful smell of Jesus. Guys, wherever we go, let the radiance of Jesus lead us. Whoever you talk to, what's that? What's that smell? You smell like Jesus. You smell like you've been worshiping Jesus. You smell like the grocery store. That's because I was... I was buying food for those who didn't have it because I want to smell like Jesus. You smell like bread. Yeah, because I was baking bread for a very sick friend who's, who's got cancer and I wanted to provide a meal for them. You smell like children. That's because I love children and, and I know at our church, those children have, we have a limited of time to, to give them Jesus. I'm battling the world, okay? I'm battling the world. They, they hear Jesus one hour, two hours a week, and the world is, is, is every day, every day. You smell like... That's because I, I work in my nursery. And when, I'm, and when I'm rocking babies, I'm not just there rocking them, I'm praying for them. God, please. God, their life, please, and don't keep, keep them safe, God. Keep them safe. They're just babies, God. Right? Wow. 
You smell like brisket. Yeah, that's because God's going to bring somebody to Fourth on Broadway who needs to know him, and he's going to ordain beautiful, mmm. And when I see them, I'm going to step aside. I'm going to say, are you doing okay? Can I pray with you? Can I pray with you? You see, it's the smell of Jesus. It's the smell of Jesus. You smell like your job. Absolutely. Because love is providing for your family. Providing for your family, taking care of those things. Listen, I, I go to work. I don't always like it, but I want to I wanna make sure that our lights stay on and, and our food and, and the house is paid for. And that's love. That's love. And in the midst of all of these Martha things and Lazarus things, what are we doing? We smell like Jesus because we worship him first. Would you agree? Amen. Father, thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. Thank you for, Lord, help us to smell like you. Please, Lord, let that smile be so radiant in our lives that people just wonder what is going on with you and that, Lord, we smell like Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We love you today. It's in your name we pray. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.